Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the second chapter. Now after the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt have I called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. He sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem, who were two years old or younger, according to the time that he learned from the wise men. This was then the fulfillment of what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who are seeking his death are dead. Joseph got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called the Nazarene, the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, on November 1st, Elise and I went into the Christmas tree shop to pick up some uh, pasta bowls. We had broken a few, and, and we'd gone there before and gotten them, so we figured, well, we'll go back and get some more. As we entered the store that day after, after Halloween, all the Halloween stuff was already put away. The candy was up front in bins that didn't present off more. And all the aisles were lined with Christmas stuff, with Think Crosby singing, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas in the background. Really? On November 1st? We're singing about Christmas already? Well, between then and December 25th, it escalated. Every day, more and more Christmas songs, more and more Christmas decorations, more and more advertising for things that you want to buy, till by December 24th at 9 p.m., last straggler had gone out of the store, 
Everybody can take a sigh of relief. Copy is over. A friend of mine reports that on Christmas Day at 8 o'clock in the morning, he saw his first bare Christmas tree thrown out on the lawn, ready to be picked up. Really? Christmas Day at 8 o'clock in the morning? They must have had their celebration on Christmas Eve, took all the toys and stuff down, and then threw the tree out. But after you've been partying for two months, it does get a little tiring. And you're more likely to say, well, time to get rid of this stuff and get ready for that next great celebration on February 2nd, Super Bowl 54. <laughs> the church does it a little bit different, however. The church resists singing and, and decorating and doing all that stuff before December 23rd. We take this period called Advent where we live in anticipation for the coming of Christ. And then we have this wonderful 12-day period from December 25th, the birth of Jesus, to January 6th, the time when the Magi, the wise men, had come to see the image of Jesus to give him the gifts. And yet within this 12-day period, these 12 days of joy, comfort and joy, as the hymn says, we see three days of extreme sadness, of wailing, of, of distress. Three days out of twelve, one quarter of them dealing with hard things. Thus it is on the day right after Christmas, December 26th, when we sing that great song, Good King Wenzel Last Look Out on the Feast of Stephen. The Feast of Stephen on the 26th is a reminder that Stephen was the first martyr, martyred for professing that Christ was Lord. Then the very next day, December 27th, St. John, the last of the disciples, who was not killed, but according to, according to legend, was exiled on the island of Patmos to live out his days in that prison-like island out in the middle of the we celebrate John in his darkness, his loneliness, his feeling like the world has passed him by. And then finally, yesterday, 28, we celebrate the celebration, the commemoration of the Holy Innocents, the martyrs, who were martyred by a bad King Herod trying to get rid of Jesus, who might be a pretender to his. Three days out of twelve are down. Several years ago, when I was in a parish um, about this size, multiple services, um, I had a, a man come who's normally a Christmas and Easter person, and for some reason, my Christmas sermon really inspired him. He told me about it. He really, really thanked me for it. He said, "You know, that was one of the best sermons I ever heard." And Strangely enough, he came back on the sun, first Sunday after Christmas, you know, expecting to hope to, or expecting or hoping to hear something as good and wonderful and beautiful as what he had heard on Christmas Day. Well, the lesson was a lesson I just read. And I preached on that lesson during the day. I could see that during the lesson, 
and during my preaching, his face, which had been so radiant as I started, went blank and then angry. And so by the time the service was over and he came out, he said, you know, this is why I don't go to church anymore, because guys like you just make it so interminable. All we hear is bad news. What happened to good news of Jesus? Well, we do hear the good news of Jesus. But it doesn't always have to be happy when we hear the good news of Jesus. David Losey, who's uh, one of the best preachers in the PLCA, says that, that this slaughter of the innocent that is, is like, as he calls it, the atonement part two. Yes, God came to earth as a human being to bring us all the joys, all the peace, all the celebration that life can give. If life is good, it's because Jesus is good. Life can never be bad if Jesus is good. At the same time, because Jesus was holy refuge, because Jesus was persecuted all through life, challenged by the authorities, had plots laid against him to arrest him and kill him. Because of this, Jesus is the one who knows our despair, who knows our aches, who even knows death, and takes them all so that we no longer fear those things of despair and horror and death. Jesus has been there before. Therefore, you and I, in this period of Christmas, can not only celebrate the great things, look at the beautiful poinsettias and the beautiful trees and, and go to beautiful parties and be among friends, and that's all wonderful. But if we're despairing, if we've lost a loved one, or if loved ones have been involved in accidents, or if you had to put a dog down, like I just had to do the day after Christmas, when life throws us things like that, God is still with us. God's love will not let us go, but rather he keeps us all in love each and so in the 12 days of Christmas, if there is despair, it's not always despair, because there is life well beyond it. Well, I can't leave today without making a comment about the world that we live in now. According to the UN High Commissioner on Refugees, 70 million people have been displaced from their homes. And of that, and by the way, 70 million people is 1% of the US, 1% of the world population. 1%. That's an awful lot of people. Of those 70 million, 25 million are refugees. In other words, they're not even supposed to be in their homeland. They're, they're somewhere else. And of those 25 million, half are under age. 13 million refugees under the age of 18. 
How should we react to that? Well, one way to react to that is to say, well, what can I do about it? I mean, you know, I don't have any power, and, and that's just their tough luck. But yet this story of Jesus, who is a holy refugee, reminds us that God cares about those who are refugees just as much as he cares about those of us who are not. So what can we do if God cares about refugees, about the poor, about those who are in distress? Well, first of all, we can advocate for those who are refugees. I don't know about you. I can only talk about myself. But it really troubles me when you see that political refugees here in America fleeing violence in their own country wind up with kids in cages and infants separated from their parents. Surely there's a more humane way to deal with refugees seeking asylum than that. So if it's your desire, please contact people in authority and say, this is not the America I'm a part of. We need more compassionate refugee services. Secondly, refugees are not a new thing. They're as old as the Bible, as we have seen. But in World War II, as World War II began in 1939, uh, refugees were fleeing parts of, of Europe being overtaken by the, by the Nazis. And the Lutheran Church, at that point here in America, started what would become Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Service to take care of the refugees. And since 1939, for the last 80 years, Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Service has, has settled more than half a million refugees from all over the world here in America. People who are driven from their homes, who do not return, are settled here where they prospered and added value to this country by their gifts because Lutherans care. And you can help with Lutheran World Service, Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Service, Lutheran World's Hunger, all of them work together to, to help those in need, whether they're refugees, whether they're the poor, or whether they're the, the downtrodden. We are there as a church. You can give toward that. And lastly, we need to tell the truth about refugees. Sometimes they're portrayed as mean, drug dealers, you know, people that are going to come and rape your women and and kill your children. I mean, come on. When, when my wife and I adopted uh, our children 33 years ago, Rio, the adoption agency told us, adoption is never the first thing. It's not the best thing. The best thing would have been for them to stay with their family. However, because they can't stay with their family, you, by adopting them, are giving them the second best thing. It's the same thing with refugees. If the refugees could stay in their country, stay with their families, stay with their friends, the, the networks they had, they wouldn't stay. But they can't. So what do we do with them? We become their mouthpiece. 
talking about the truth of why they are seeking asylum. They become their friends as they come into this world, this, this country that they do not know and cannot understand. They become their benefactors because we are taught that we are, you know, doing Christ's work as Christ can. So it may be in this Christmas season that you see and feel the joy that is there for all of us. At the same time, you're there as a resource for those who need Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.